Today we bring you a missing turtle who loves pancakes, a story about some haunted faces, a man found dead in 1928 but didn't get buried until 1964. Those stories and more on this Black Friday episode. You're listening to the Mr. Cemetery Show, the podcast that's dedicated to the dark corners of the world. From weird news to historical oddities and the unexplained mysteries, here's your host, Mr. Cemetery. Hello! And welcome to the show, you sick, twisted freaks. Thanks for listening to us today. Hope everyone had a safe Thanksgiving yesterday. It's Black Friday, so if you're out there trying to do some shopping and all that type stuff, good luck. Better you than me. According to BlackFridayDeathCount.com, there have been 14 deaths and 117 injuries reported since 2006 on Black Friday. That's just stupid. Yeah, I agree. So stay safe. There's a few wackadoos out there. Good luck, everybody. Welcome to the Mr. Cemetery Show. I am Josh. And I'm Krista. We appreciate you for joining us today. Good morning, Krista. How are you doing today? Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be stuck in my head all day. Mm -hmm. It's your fault. Not my fault. You're the one that did it. Yeah. But I can't blame myself. I gotta blame you. Okay. Okay. I'm good with that. I also want to remind everybody it's possible to turn a peanut into a diamond. What? Yep. Dan Frost of Germany did something a little bit different with his peanut butter. He made a diamond. Frost studies the conditions of the Earth's mantle and has found ways to mimic them in his lab. According to the BBC, the high pressure of the mantle can strip oxygen from the carbon monoxide and leave behind a carbon from a diamond. And since peanut butter is already rich in carbon, Frost found a way to transform the nutty goodness into a pretty shiny jewel. Hey babe, you want my peanut butter nugget? Mm, No, I don't like peanut butter. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so bad. (laughs) Want peanuts? Uh, Stop making it dirty, Josh. I made it dirty. That's just weird, though. kind of want to see a peanut butter diamond. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I wonder if he used creamy or crunchy. Good question. I would say it would probably have to be crunchy, wouldn't it? I don't Uh, know. I don't like crunchy. I would think it'd have to be an actual peanut. Crunchy pisses me off. We need listener stories, people. So send us your personal haunted, spooky, or just plain weird stories. To us at the Mr. Cemetery Show at gmail.com. There's a link in the show notes below, so finish your stories. It's time for some weird ass news. Pancake loving turtle, a family heirloom kidnapped from his home he visited for years. This came from the New York Times from August 22nd, 1925. Mrs. Edward Reiner's pet turtle, which came to her back door every day in the spring and summer, For four years to get pancakes made by a recipe known from her family for over 200 years has been kidnapped and advertised as lost in the current issue of the Brookhaven Advance. Mrs. Reiner, like many others at Brookhaven, had made pets out of turtles, especially those which had the initials of her ancestors carved into their shells. And when this particular turtle, which had the large letter B on its back, came to her house four years ago, she knew he had been a pet of the Bartow family which her ancestors who settled here two centuries ago, and she took pains to making him welcome. The turtle, a large fellow, immediately showed fondness to the Bartlow pancakes. At first, he only ate what Rainer left for the cat, but then Mrs. Rainer saw how much he loved them, and she made his own batch of pancakes. I would do that. But yeah, I had a turtle that seen like pancakes. I'd be setting pancakes up. Yeah, that'd be cool. I call it. It's kind of funny. Mr. Mr. Cake. But again, who doesn't like pancakes? Right. Can't trust nobody. Kind of surprised cats were eating pancakes. 
Everybody liked the pancakes. I guess so. She made up a special batter for him and let him alone outside the back door. Every morning, he was waddled to the house to get them, especially during strawberry blossom time, when Mrs. Rainer knew he was getting his substance in the strawberry fields. <laughs> this lady made him strawberry pancake. Nice. Right? I want some strawberry pancakes. <laughs> Damn. Turtle eats better that's, than I yeah, do. Say, that's one lucky turtle. <laughs> this would continue until early fall, when the first cold snapped. The turtle would disappear in somewhere near the earth and hibernate for the winter. But a week or so ago, the turtle had not got his pancakes and waddled off to whatever turtles do. He was out doing turtly things. Yeah. And he did not get his pancakes. Mrs. Reiner saw an automobile stop. A man reached down to the earth and lift something up to his car and drove away. The next day and the next day and the day after that, the turtle did not come to Reiner's back door for his pancakes. Then Mrs. Reiner inserted the following advertisement in the Brookhaven Advanced. It read, Lost! If this notice comes to the man who took the turtle, will you please return him to Mrs. Edna Reiner? He fears he will miss his pancakes, and he will also never be able to find his way back to his winter location. I only want to know that the turtle is well off, said Mrs. Reiner. If the man doesn't want to return him, I'll be glad to send him the recipe for the pancakes. I'm afraid the turtle will miss them and be very unhappy. Yeah, he was getting strawberry pancakes. Fuck yeah, I'd be on, I'm pissed off. I don't even get no strawberry pancakes. Right? This turtle's probably like, what the fuck? <laughs> What's my pancakes? I'll bite you. Just out doing turtly things, minding my own business. Yeah. I'm going to get some pancakes. I'm going to get some pancakes. Dude, where are you taking me? Where's the pancakes? <laughs> I bite you. Chupacabra. <laughs> the Mr. Cemetery Show will return after these messages. Are you in the spine-tingling crime stories? The Krista McKibben's Hatchet Man book is for you. It's a chilling tale set in the 1800s about one of America's earliest serial killers whose disturbing crimes occurred in both Ohio and Maryland. The book also includes a full trial and confession as told by the Baltimore Sun. Hatchet Man by Krista McKibben is available on paperback and Kindle, only at Amazon.com. Do you like coffee like we do? Try our friends over at Sinister Coffee and Creamery. Sinister Coffee was founded in 2018 and has been a woman-owned business from the very beginning. Their beans are prepared in small batches to ensure a perfect roast. Sinister Coffee and Creamery also offer coffee subscriptions delivered to your door as often as you like. They offer weekly, monthly, quarterly, or however you like. Don't believe us? Order a small batch of organic coffee today and try it for yourself. And use our special discount code CEMETERY10 to save 10% off your order. Again, that code is CEMETERY10. Now, back to the Mr. Cemetery Show. And we're back. Guess what? Chicken butt. Why? Chicken thigh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's your turn today, smartass. Yeah? Yeah. I got the tantalizing tale of the faces of Belmez. Hmm. You ready to be tantalized? I am ready to be tantalized. Uh. <laughs> I don't like your attitude. <laughs> I don't like myself either. <laughs> I piss myself off a lot. What do you got? All right. Faces of Belmez. During August of 1971, in the small town of Belmez, Spain, resident Maria Gomez Priura noticed a small stain forming on the concrete floor in the kitchen. Without any apparent cause, the stain began to develop over a period of time and eventually molded itself into a face. 
While this face was forming, the stain was said to have moved position. Terrified by this, Pera tried to remove it several times by scrubbing vigorously. All her efforts proved futile, so she solicited the assistance of Juan, her husband, and her son, Miguel. Juan's solution was much more final one than mere cleaning. He took a pickaxe to the whole floor and cemented a new one in its stead. For about a week, things looked as though they had returned to normal. Then the face reappeared along with others. The family resolved to remove the stain once again. However, by then, word had spread throughout the tiny town and the mayor took immediate measures to ensure the image was not destroyed. He had a crew come in and carefully remove the image for testing. By this time, word of the strange phenomenon had spread all over and many people were coming, including paranormal investigators. In April of the following year, Professor de Argamosa, sure, probably messed that up. Sounds right to me. <laughs> traveled from Madrid to Belmez after hearing about the case. He announced that he had found several historic documents reporting that a 17th century governor of Granada, Grenada? Granola. Granola. I like granola. He announced that he had found several historic documents reporting that a 17th century governor of Grenada, born in Belmez, had murdered five members of a local family. The whereabouts of the murder site were vague, but it was believed to have taken place either very nearby or in the Pereira household. Another theory was as the house was so close to a church, it was probably built on the site of an old cemetery. So the floor was removed and fully excavated, and human remains were found several feet below. Yeah, it's better. Many of the skeletons had no skulls, and the bodies were reinterred into a nearby Catholic cemetery. What? Yeah. It was like, I couldn't find how many skeletons, actually, how many bodies. How many bodies? Yeah. Um, but a bunch of them had no heads. I wonder if they dated them. Yes, they did, <laughs> actually. Oh. Yeah. Uh, some reports cite the excavated remains to have been dated at around 700 years old. Yeah, I'll say, all of them missing heads, there's some beheading going on. Yeah. There. Off with their heads! Yeah. <laughs> um, after removing the remains, everyone assumed... This would be the end of it, so the floor was relayed again. It was short-lived, however, as within two weeks, the stains were back, and this time they were different from the first ones. Professor de Agamosa made several EVP recordings of the sounds from within the house, including the voice of a child. The sounds captured were described as a mixture of hell and a brothel. Damn, sounds like fun. All right. Considering Maria cited herself as having mediumistic powers, it should be noted that she was absent during the recordings. On June 6, 1972, another face appeared on the floor and gradually seemed to change its expression. Several more appeared, prompting further investigation. Foil was placed over the floor, but again the faces reappeared. I don't understand what the foil was about. I guess... Like aluminum foil? It just says foil. I don't... Maybe they were trying to cover it to see if it changed and make sure nobody was tampering. I just picture people running around with foil on their heads. I <laughs> tin foil hat people. Look yeah. what we can do. I, yeah, I don't know. To continue his investigations free from the family's daily life, Professor de Argamosa paid to have another room in the house converted into a new kitchen to provide that no one was tampering with the images. The remainder of the floor was photographed in sections and covered with a jacket that was sealed at the edge. Finally, the door and windows were all sealed with wax. So they built this new kitchen and sealed it off, like waxed the doors and windows so nobody could go in and mess with it. Then they left it. A German television crew filmed all of these precautionary measures 
with local dignitaries in attendance as well. Satisfied that nobody could tamper with the scene without detection, they left the kitchen alone for three months. When they officially unsealed the kitchen, the faces had moved and evolved. Fuck it. Burn the house down. (laughs) Fuck that shit. (laughs) Maria passed away in February 2004, and it was thought that the phenomenon would end. However, new faces would continue to appear, change, and seemingly move to new areas. What? (laughs) This is crazy. Many scientists over the years have performed multiple tests on the faces to see if they had been painted. And the results are all mixed. So they sent different labs came in, different investigators. Some were saying, yeah, it's paint. Others saying no. Some say chemical. Some kind of chemical was used on the floor. But then they say we can't recreate it. I want to lick the floor. <laughs> One theory about how the faces occurred is that Maria had a sort of psychic ability where she was perhaps unknowingly projecting these images with her mind. A process that is known as photography. However, this would be essentially debunked as the faces continued after her death. Another theory is that her son Miguel had been painting the images, though it seems to be very unclear how he was able to accomplish such a thing without being caught. When I first started researching this story, my initial thoughts were, was there is a word for being able to see faces and figures and patterns that aren't there, but I don't remember what that term is actually called, and I never did look it up. (laughs) But there's, there's a word, random patterns, you know, clouds in the sky, you can make faces out of it. Yeah. That's just how the mind works. This is not that case with these images. I looked at these images. These are very clearly faces and probably half bodies. You can see arms, about half torsos. Um, whether you believe it is a hoax or something more supernatural, the faces are pretty creepy looking and still drawing visitors to this day. Oh, yeah. I sent you the pictures. Yeah. These, <clears throat> these are fucking creepy. They're, they're not. It's they're not, faces. Yeah, they're faces. It's not just like I thought, okay, well, there's just. You know, random swirls in the concrete and stains you can make shapes out of. I've, yeah, I mean, we've all seen it. You know, that's not what this is. No, these are faces. You can Google. They got one here from 1972, 1974, 19, 2005. Same exact face, just kind of different. Look, they're altered. Yeah. I will. I will post these photos when this episode airs onto the Instagram. Yeah. It's crazy. It really is. I. I don't know how you explain it. Is this house still standing? Yeah, I it said it still draws in visitors. People yeah. still come in, check it out. And like well, you I said, got, I don't know how anybody was getting away with just painting them on when you had all these people. Like, I think I've seen pictures of crowds around the house. I mean, it was drawing in a lot of crowds. Found a mass grave underneath of it, all beheaded. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's I mean, crazy. Would, I think that would give a good reason to think something was going on. Yeah. What would you think? You just start digging under your house and there's like this mass grave, all these bodies that's been sitting there for... Burn the house down. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's wild. Well, my story is not as creepy, but it's a creepy. It's, it's my story because I'm a creep. My story is Eugene. Creepy. <laughs> Eugenes are always creepy. Never met a Eugene. I'm going to trash your word on that. Yeah. Sabina, nicknamed the Eden of Ohio, but no one is quite sure why, is known for its quiet, peaceful days. But it's perhaps best known for the unknown dead man, a corpse that rests in a simple grave in the town's cemetery. The headstone reads, Eugene, found dead, 1928, buried, 1964. Some 93 years ago, when an unknown man was walking down a road three miles outside of town, it said he came to Sabina looking for work, but never made it. His body was discovered lying 
alongside the road. Townspeople said he died apparently of natural causes. The body had no identification except a small piece of paper with a Cincinnati address on it, 1118 Yo Avenue, which turned out to be a vacant lot. But a man named Eugene lived there the lot, thus the corpse now had a name. People referred him as Eugene. He was brought to the local funeral home, naturally, and they embalmed him. They held him for identification, and no identification to this day has ever been made. So Eugene was placed inside of a little building in the back of the town funeral home, and there he wrestled on the couch for more than 36 years. They put him on a couch? Yeah, sat down back on a couch. Just couched him? Just couched him. When people found out, they came from all over to see the bizarre sight. But when young pranksters began playing a cruel, disrespectful tricks, stealing the man's body, and taking him on joy rides around town, this happened a lot, apparently. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can't say that I blamed him. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what else are you going to do? One night, a group of kids took him to the Ohio State campus and left him on a park bench. Weekend at Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> the town didn't care for this publicity they were getting from Eugene after all this. So on a cool, cloudy October day, they got Eugene a new suit, a fine casket, and they took a minister and brought a plot of land in the local cemetery and quietly buried him 36 years after his body was found. To this day, no one still knows who Eugene was. That's a story. What do you think about that? You think that's where they got the idea for Weekend at Bernie's? Uh, <laughs> possibly. Like, like a real-life Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. It, it makes me want to watch Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. <laughs> and I also feel like my younger years, I would have partied with Eugene. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. He'd be taking pictures, putting him... I mean, he's just sitting on a couch. That's, yeah, right? no, that's no fun. Right. I would party with the dead dude. That's hilarious. You know he had some good jokes. Oh, yeah. He'd be all like... He'd be a good listener. Yeah. You know he was a good listener. He knows he's a good listener. <laughs> good joke. He'd all be like, what do you call a dead turtle when it goes stiff? What? Rick or Tortoise. Ba -dum yeah. Eugene's a funny motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, I'd party with the dead dude. I just... It's, it, it's like, you know... Today we steal gnomes and do stupid stuff like that. And now, back then, I guess they were stealing an actual body. <laughs> I just, weird that they just left this guy on the couch. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of asking for it when you do something like that. Just a little building, like a really small building, kind of like a tool shed. How long ago was this? He was buried in 1964. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, back then you didn't have... Any internet, new YouTube, new, probably not a whole lot really to do. Yeah. Yeah. Friday gotta, night, know where body is. Kids are going to pull some shenanigans. Yeah. Hoodlums. Hoodlums. <laughs> it's funny. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Mr. Cemetery Show. Follow us over on Instagram at the Mr. Cemetery Show. If you want to help support the show, keep spreading the word on social media. Tell your friends and your family or someone you really hate, depending on how you look at it. Until next time, I'm Josh. And I'm Krista. Thanks for listening to the Mr. Cemetery Show. See ya! Goodbye! <laughs>